0: Could you please open your Bible to Psalm 139? The title for the sermon tonight is God Can't Learn. So let's uh, open in prayer. Uh, Father, thank you uh, for who you are. And uh, Lord, I I do pray uh, that you would help us uh, to to understand uh, more deeply uh, this night uh, who you are. May we be struck uh, again uh, by your greatness. And I do ask that the Holy Spirit would work through the preached word tonight, help us to have attentive ears and soft hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake, amen. You know, we live in a time that values learning. The importance of getting a good education is a message preached to children from a very young age. And it's seen as a positive attribute that somebody is teachable and is always learning new things. And it would not be a positive thing if the school report said, your child can't learn. Imagine reading that as the parent. Imagine if the teacher wrote, Brendan is incapable of learning. That would not be a compliment. And my parents would not have been thrilled to read that. You know, when we say that somebody is unteachable, that they can't learn, this is not complementary. In fact, that reflects negatively on the individual. But when it comes to God, the fact that he can't learn is very complementary. And when we understand why he can't learn, it certainly magnifies his glory. And this is yet another example that demonstrates so clearly to us that God is not like us. We need to understand that God is not just a better or more advanced version of us. He doesn't just have the latest software upgrade, but he is completely different. He is totally unlike us. And this comes out clearly in our differences when it comes to learning. Now there could be many reasons why I can't learn something. The concept could be completely beyond my intellectual capacity. That's definitely true. I may not be interested in what is taught. That's definitely true. You know, my brain may be overloaded and no longer able to process new information. It's reached its capacity. Have you ever been at that point? If I take in any more information, I feel like I'm going to explode. I may have been too lazy to put in the work, to learn the material. I could have been too tired to concentrate. And the list goes on. But the common denominator is this. My inability to learn is because of my limitations. But that's not the case with God. Perhaps an illustration will help. Now imagine a truck and trailer that was carrying sand. And you have been told that the truck is unable to take any more sand. Okay, this could be for a number of reasons. It could be full. So if more sand was added, it would start to spill out. It could also be that the trailer was at its weight capacity. If any more was added, the trailer would then be compromised. It could be that the truck doesn't have enough power to tow more weight. Or there's a bridge on the route that can only handle so much weight and the truck is at that maximum weight. And this is the same for us when it comes to learning. There are many things that can prevent us from learning more. Now, continuing the truck illustration, and here I need to get a little far-fetched. But imagine this truck is so big that it's able to carry all the sand throughout our whole world. So it contains every grain of sand in existence. The truck here is unable to take any more sand, but that's not because of any limitation of its capacity or ability, but because there is no sand left to add. I hope you're following that. This is what we mean when we say that God can't learn. It's not because of some inability or limitation on his part, but rather there is no knowledge, fact, or piece of data that he does not already possess. There is nothing left for him to learn because he already knows all things. And this is what's referred to as God's attribute of omniscience, all-knowing. Here is one definition from a theologian, and this is in your outline he said, God is infinite in knowledge. He knows himself and all other things perfectly from all eternity, whether they be actual or merely possible, whether they be past, present, or future. He knows things immediately, simultaneously, exhaustively, and truly. And we could add that his knowledge is perfect. His knowledge never decreases or increases. And this knowledge is from Himself. And what I mean by that is that this knowledge is not learned by observation or experience. That's how we learn things. But rather, with God, it's completely independent of any outside source. God has never been taught. Another theologian adds this definition, and it too was in your outline. He said, God knows everything. Everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures of the past, the present, and the future. He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being in heaven, in earth, and in hell. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing is forgotten by him. He never errs, never changes, never overlooks anything. He knows all things perfectly. He knows no thing better than any other thing, but all things equally well. If that blows your mind, that's okay. He never discovers anything. He never wonders about anything, nor does he seek information or ask questions. And my friend, that is astonishing. That is absolutely incredible. There is nothing that God does not know. Let that sink in. Allow that to be burnt into your mind and heart. He knows every fact, theory, and equation from every textbook of every discipline. He is not just an expert in one or two fields, but he knows everything there is to know in every academic field. And he knows the things that we don't know yet about every discipline. Every groundbreaking study that mankind makes, God already knew. That is mind-blowing. He knows everything about every nation, every empire and ruler. He knows who will advance. He knows who will decline. He knows when that will happen. He knows how that will happen. He knows of every war, of every recession, of every pandemic, of every crisis, great and small. And furthermore, and this is where it's very personal, God knows everything that has happened, is happening, and will happen to every single individual who has lived, is living, and will live. There's nothing that he doesn't know about anybody. There's nothing that he doesn't know about You. And in Psalm 139, David presents for us a breathtaking account of God's intimate knowledge of Him. And it's this that I'd like to consider, for it confirms the fact that God can't learn. His knowledge is perfect, it's eternal, it's complete. So let's consider God's infinite knowledge, which ensures he can't learn and why this is such good news for us. Now, before we begin our exploration of this glorious psalm, I want to make four structural observations. Okay, and this will help us as we seek to fathom the infinite beauty and depth contained in this psalm. So, the number one is the stanzas. Okay, this psalm has four stanzas containing six verses. The first three follow a similar pattern, it commences with a summary declaration, it states the theme, then it develops and illustrates that theme before offering a conclusion. The final stanza doesn't follow this same structure as it presents the psalmist's conclusion to what he has already considered. The second thing I want you to notice is the central theme. The first verse functions as the theme or the big idea of this psalm and it declares that the Lord has searched and known David and this is repeated in verse 23 so this is the psalmist's focus throughout the searching and perfect knowledge of God the third thing I want you to see is that theology is meant to be practical There's something striking about this psalm is that it delves into some of the glorious attributes of God. We see his omniscience. We see his omnipresence. We see that he is omnipotent, but it's not intended to just be something beautiful and majestic that we stare at. It's much more than some spectacular piece of art or stunning scenery. And we're just struck with awe with a dropped jaw, It certainly is that, but understand, this psalm is incredibly practical. It applies the theological realities to the real-life experiences of the psalmist. And this is particularly clear in the final stanza. And this reminds us that our theology, our doctrine, what we believe... Especially about God, it's meant to shape, govern, and impact how we live. It isn't meant to be merely intellectual. And the fourth structural point is the personal nature of this psalm. This psalm is deeply personal. And this is very evident in the first stanza. The divine name, it's used twice, along with pronouns referring to God. It also contains many personal pronouns referring to the psalmist. And this tells us that God's omniscience is not just some abstract reality. God is not like some infinite search engine like Google or some surveillance system that misses nothing, but his knowledge is intensely personal. It's intimate, it's active, and this proclaims his care. And concern. So, with those foundations laid, let's begin our brief exploration of this psalm, where we will consider that the stunning reality and glorious beauty of the infinite knowledge of God, which ensures that he can't learn. So let's unpack the text. If you were to do a thesis on a particular topic, you need to research extensively. And it's a fair assumption that you should have a good grasp of the subject once you complete your work. And it is this idea that is used metaphorically of the Lord to kick off the discussion of his perfect personal knowledge in verse 1. Okay, the verb searched, it means to examine thoroughly or to investigate diligently. It was as though the Lord had investigated David thoroughly examined his whole life considered everything that there was to know okay he possessed the type of knowledge that we would expect to possess after extensive research and investigation but the thing with the lord is that he possessed this knowledge without the effort of the investigation okay and hence this is metaphoric but what it's stressing is that the Lord had extensive and complete knowledge of David and also of us. Okay, so this is what is declared, and now it's unpacked or illustrated. See this in verse 2. It says, Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Okay, these two form one unified idea. And it declares that the Lord knows all of our movements, whether we're seated, whether we're rising up to walk. He knows about it. Okay? All of our activity is already known by him. The verse continues. Okay? It's not only that God knows every move that we make, but he also knows our intentions. He knows our motives. He knows our desires. Verse two, thou understandest My thoughts are far off. So the Lord is not only aware of what we do. That's external. But he's also aware of what's going on internally. He knows what's driving us. He knows what we really want. He knows what we're really thinking. And understandeth means to discern or to perceive or consider. So he evaluates what we do verse three continues this same idea but it adds a bit more to it it begins thou compassest okay this is the idea of sifting grain and you would separate grain what's worthless and what's valuable so this is the idea that God is evaluating our thoughts and our actions okay in verse three it mentions my path my lying down and all my ways. So the Lord knows about our daily routine. He knows everything that we do. The term ways speaks of activities and characteristics, and the verb acquainted is the idea of being familiar. So the Lord has personal and intimate familiarity of all of the ins and outs of our life, both what we do and who we are. And he knows this perfectly. In fact, he knows this better than we do ourselves. Now, verse 4 gives us one specific example of the Lord's complete knowledge of us. And this is just one of many potential examples. We're told that the Lord knows every word that we speak. He knows every word that we want to speak and those words that we almost speak okay. and he knows what we will say before it's even formed in our mind and he knows what we mean and what we attend to achieve through what we say sometimes we can say something that sounds nice but our intentions definitely are not nice such as flattery okay. and this reality that god knows all of this, that ought to be a pretty good incentive to watch what we say, should it not? God knows what we say. God knows what we think. But understand, this is just one specific example of God's knowledge of us. And what these verses are saying is that there is nothing that God does not know about mankind. There's nothing that he doesn't know about you. He knows the small things and he knows the big things. He knows about the everyday mundane routine of your life. He knows when you wake up. He knows what you have for breakfast. He knows the train that you catch. He knows where you have worked, where you are working now and where you will work in the future. He knows every thought that you have. He knows every word that you say and almost say. God knows your strengths, he knows your weaknesses, he knows your fears, he knows your failures. He knows about the good things that you do, and he knows about the bad things that you do. He knows about your best times, and he's aware of your worst times. He knows your most pure thoughts, he also knows your most wicked thoughts. He knows your heart's desires. He knows your affections. He knows what you want more than anything else. There is nothing, whether external or internal, that is hidden from God. Now, there is not one step that you can take in a day that God did not already know about before you took it. There is not one word that you can utter that God did not know about before you uttered it. There is nothing that you can do, say, or think that God does not already know. He possesses a perfect knowledge of you and of me and of every individual, okay, of every individual from Adam to now and to everyone that will exist from now until the last birth. He knows every detail, both great and small, of absolutely everybody. That is incredible, okay, and the extent of the knowledge is even down to the number of hairs on our head that is amazing and is it any wonder the psalmist responds in verse 6 such knowledge it's too wonderful for me it's too high i cannot attain unto it no this is david saying wow god god is so awesome his knowledge it just blows my mind My small brain can't comprehend such magnitude of knowledge. Have you ever spoken to someone who is uh, super intelligent? And you were just in awe as they speak and you are amazed of their grasp of things, but you also feel this overwhelming sense of your own lack of intelligence in such company. This is what it's like with God but on an infinitely greater scale. He knows everything that there's to know about you and me. There is nothing about any person from any era that God doesn't know exhaustively. That is incredible. Now, David seems to change the topic, but I want to argue that he is continuing to unpack the same theme. Okay, verses 7-7. To 12 that's the next stanza it focuses on the omnipresence of God and verse 7 makes the statements in the form of two hypothetical questions and the assumed answer is nowhere okay, there is not a location that one can go to where God is not there that there is no conceivable place where the Lord is absent And although there is a change of emphasis, I do think that David still has God's perfect knowledge on his mind. This is still his primary meditation. And one reason that he knows everything is because he is everywhere to see and know it. Whether one goes up or down, that's verse eight, east or west, that's verses nine and ten. Whether it's day or night, verse eleven, God is there. God sees and God knows. There is nowhere that we can go to escape God's knowledge. You know that there are no black spots where God doesn't have reception. If you ever desperately needed to make a phone call, be you're struggling to find reception, it's really annoying. Some places are terrible. I used to work in locations like this. You needed to ring in an order. And it felt like you had to walk up the hill, stand on one leg, and you got one bar of reception. Hopefully you can get the phone call through. There are no such areas in existence where God doesn't have access or God doesn't have reception which may hinder his knowledge. There is nowhere to go where God is not. His knowledge of everything reaches everywhere. The third stanza also continues this theme. It is different. The power of God is certainly evident here. But the original idea is still in mind. This continues to expound the impressive knowledge of God. Verses 13 to 18 form the next stanza. And it contains verses that most of us are probably familiar with. They are important when it comes to confronting some of the social issues of our time. But I want you to notice what this teaches us about God's knowledge. God knew David before his birth. Okay, get that. God did not have to wait until David or until you were born to know us. Okay, he already knew us. And verse 16 uses an image to help us. Okay, with God, it is as though everything about us, everything that we will do, it's recorded in a book. And he has this perfect knowledge of us. And he has always possessed this, even before we were born. He knows everything that we have done, what we are doing, and what we will do. He knows our character. He knows our disposition perfectly. And he has this because he has made us. Okay, And this is the key point. God knows everything about us. God knows everything about everything because he is the creator. God knows all of reality because he made it. So there is no information that he does not possess and hence he can't learn. Could you please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 40? Okay, so having unpacked what that text in Psalm teaches us about God's knowledge, let's now go to Isaiah 40 and I want to read three verses, two verses rather. Okay, verses 13 and 14. And it says this. Who hath directed the spirit of the Lord, or being his counsellor, hath taught him? With whom took he counsel, and who instructed him, and taught him in the path of judgment, and taught him knowledge, and showed to him the way of understanding? In verse 9, the invitation is given to behold your God. And the glory of God's character and his utter incomparability is It's a wonderful portion of scripture. And we learn in verses 13 and 14 that God does not need teaching. He doesn't need any advice. He he doesn't need counsel. He doesn't need instruction. He he doesn't need anyone to to fine tune him or, or educate him in any way. There is nothing about anything that he can be taught because he already knows it all our God can't learn as one theologian said God has never learned from anyone God cannot learn could God at any time or in any manner receive into his mind knowledge that he did not possess and had not possessed from eternity he would be imperfect and less than himself to think of a God who must sit at the feet of a teacher even though that teacher be an archangel or a seraph is to think of someone other than the most high God maker of heaven and earth. God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirits and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, all law and and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires, every unuttered secret, all thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things visible and invisible in heaven and in earth, motion, space, time, life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. My friend, there is nothing that God does not know. He has no teacher our God can't learn. But why does this matter? Why is it so significant that God can't learn? What are some practical ramifications? Well, number one, it assures that God's plans and purposes will come to pass. If God was able to learn new things, his plans and purposes would have to possess the possibility of being changed. Because something new could be learnt that could alter or even annul the existing plans. Okay, have you ever made plans and you feel like you have been so methodical, you have covered everything, you have run through every scenario you can think of, you think you are sorted, but then you learn some new information and that throws all of your plans into chaos. It's frustrating, isn't it? You know, in building, you could quote a job and you would try and think of absolutely everything that could go wrong. You would endeavor to accurately estimate labor and materials, add your buffer, add a little bit more just to be safe. You get the job, you start the job, and then you learn some new things. You stumble across some new information. You find a white ant's nest and that changes everything but my friend since God knows everything since he can learn nothing that means there will never be any new information or data that means his plans or purposes have to be reconsidered okay there is no new information that can undermine or eradicate anything that God has done is doing or plans to do and that is very good news for us in a multitude of ways. Here's a couple of examples. Imagine if God learned something new that meant the Holy Spirit could no longer indwell us. Imagine if the Lord discovered some new laws of nature and it threw the whole creation into chaos. Imagine if he uncovered some new data which identified something to usurp the church so we gave up building the church. Imagine if the Lord learned something about language that means there's mistakes in the Bible, hence undermining his revelation. Or he has some theological enlightenment after rigorous debate and discovers that Christ's death on the cross wasn't enough, which now means our salvation is void. This is why it matters that God can't learn, because it means he will never discover previously unknown realities or truth that could undermine or eradicate his plans and purposes. Number two, it magnifies the wonder of Christ and the cross. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus in his deity knows everything about you. He knows your deepest secrets. He knows about your dark past. He knows about the worst sins that you have ever committed, the ones that you try and hide from everyone else. He knows everything that you have done, are doing, and will do that breaks his law. He knows every wicked thing that you think. He is aware of every corrupt desire in your heart. He sees that, that we are a mess. There's nothing hidden from him. He has a perfect understanding of how twisted, distorted, broken, and depraved you are and I am. And yet he still died for us. Isn't that astonishing? Jesus knows all of me. Jesus knows all about me better than I do myself. He knows me warts and all, and yet he still died for me. What a wonderful freedom that Jesus knows me fully, and yet he still loves me. You know, in our human relationships, we often tend to hide things from others because we're fearful what they'll think. Okay, if, if I tell them my darkest secret, how will they respond? Maybe they won't be my friend anymore. But Jesus knows everything there's to know. He sees our filth. He sees our our hideousness, he sees how unlovely we are, and yet he still died for us, he still loves us, and there is nothing new that he could learn that would undermine his saving work or stop him from loving us. Number three, nothing catches God off guard or by surprise. Okay, there is nothing that can happen in your life or in this world that surprises God. He already knows. You know, imagine how terrifying it would be if God didn't know what was happening next. If God was shocked and he thought, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I'm not sure what to do. That wasn't part of my plan. Okay, that's a terrifying reality. And again, I'm sure you've experienced this. Something happens in your life and it completely catches you off guard. It might rock you a little, forces you to change your plans, but that never happens with God. Nothing has ever happened, is happening right now, or will ever happen that He does not know about. God can't be surprised, He can't be caught off guard. And this can only be the case because he can't learn. And my friend, this is a very comforting reality. Because how terrifying would life be if if God didn't know what was happening next? But he knows what's happening in this world. And he knows exactly what's happening in your life. He knows what's happening right now. And this is good news because it means he can give you the tailor-made grace, care, wisdom, and strength for the exact situation that you are going through. He okay? doesn't just give you know, a, a generic grace and a generic strength, a generic hope for everybody, but rather it's custom designed for you. And he can do that because he knows all of your needs and he's able to meet them. Okay, number four, that there are no secrets with God. My friends, you have sins in your life that you believe are secret. Nobody else knows about them except you, and you're very determined to keep it that way. Well, understand, God already knows about your sin. Okay, there's no such thing as a secret sin with God. You can't hide anything from him, so you should stop trying. He sees it. He knows it. And in fact, he sees much sin in your life that you're not even aware of. And there's no point of continuing on thinking that God doesn't know or God doesn't care, but rather come to him and confess it. And he promises that he will forgive you, but more than this, he will help you with the secret and besetting sins of your life. Okay, God won't cast you out. He won't beat you relentlessly, but he will forgive you and grant to you the grace for you to change, remembering he knows exactly what you need to be able to change. That's our God. And the fifth thing is the God who knows all will one day judge all. This reality can be both encouraging and terrifying. The Bible tells us there will be two different judgments. One for the Christian and it's at this judgment where our service and faithfulness will be judged and we will be rewarded. And here is the thing. God knows about everything that we have done or not done for him. Nothing is hidden and he will reward according to what we have done. And I want to encourage those who may rarely get any accolades right now. Okay, what you do may be behind the scenes. Very few may even know what you do for the Lord, but rest assured he does. He knows everything. He, he knows everything great and small. And one day your faithfulness will be rewarded. But understand if your service for God is lacking. Or if you're doing it for all of the wrong reasons. God knows that too. And your reward will be fitting. But also understand there's a judgment coming for the unsafe. And at that time, you will not be able to fool God. He knows everything about you. And if you have not embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, then at that time, you will be damned to hell because of your sin. But that does not have to be the case. Because God, in his glorious grace, sent his Son. Jesus Christ became man fully God and fully man and get this Jesus had to learn when he was a man despite being God that's a part of his humiliation and Jesus lived the perfect life that you never could he he went to the cross to die in your place for your sin and he rose again on the third day and now if you repent of your sin if you place your faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross you can be saved and you can be spared from the judgment to come that you deserve and i trust tonight that you know jesus christ as your savior but i trust even more that god knows that you belong to him amen let's pray father i do thank you uh, for who you are and so lord your your knowledge Uh, is is amazing. Uh, It is incredible. Thank you that uh, you love us and that you care for us enough uh, to know us. And our Lord, I I do pray that uh, whatever we we needed to hear uh, tonight, we would be uh, receptive to it. Help us to apply the word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to invite our brother